It's May 10th, 2017, my 30th anniversary. Mine, my, mine and my wife's 30th anniversary of being together, being married people. And what better way to celebrate by sending her off to work and by doing a random podcast interview with some guys uh, from BWB Podcast. BWB. What does it stand for? Bring Wife Beer, I guess. There they are now. Good morning. Hey, hey Jim. How's it going? Can you hear me okay? Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can hear you great. Can you hear Austin fine? Yeah, I can hear you guys terrifically now. Okay, awesome. Cool, cool. Okay, cool. Um, we'll just get started then. Yeah, it's fine. Hi, my name is Austin Gould. And I'm Nate Jones. And you're listening to the best and worst of the best podcasts. Today, we have Jim Meskimen once again as a returning guest. Um, he's an accomplished actor, improviser, and voice artist. Great to have you on, Jim, once again to talk about Ron Howard. Thank you, Nate. Thank you, Austin. Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you as well. Um, to start with our first question, um, could you um, tell us what you think makes Ron Howard the director he is today? Wow, well, he, he, he is certainly a great and respected director. Um, I guess what makes him such a great director for me is the fact that he has mastered all the... Um, the he is, if he's not mastered every department, in other words, if he doesn't know everything about the camera or he doesn't know everything about, uh, I don't know, um, you know, getting the extras all lined up and, and doing... Uh, first AD work, he knows very well how to communicate to those people who are in charge of those departments. And I've seen him work before as a great, uh, he's a great, you know, he's got a lot of leadership and a lot of, uh, uh, in, in a way that's that's pretty rare because he, he doesn't have to throw his weight around. Indeed, he's not that kind of person. So I guess that the short answer is that he, he has fostered a, a a, a mood of great easy communication between himself and the other departments so that he can really drive the ship. Or I know an analogy that he uses a lot is that a, a, being a basketball coach, and he loves basketball and he, and he loves sports, his whole family does. So he, he knows how to get the best performance out of every player, if you will. Yeah, and including himself, he's got a lot of versatility to add on to that, which uh, gives his... Uh communication skills to everyone else, uh, pretty solid um, stuff rather than making it confusing. Um, a total of five collaborations, too. Uh, working on, you've worked with him on The Paper, Paul 13, Ed TV, The Grinch, and Frost Nixon. Yeah. Uh, could you describe your first audition process with Ron Howard? Yeah, I was living in New York, and I heard about this audition for a movie he was doing, and I was very excited, of course. I... I, I known him for a long time, but I, you know, we never really didn't see each other that often. If we saw each other once a year somewhere, that would be a lot. Um, so, how, did, how, did you, how did you meet up with him? How did you know him? Well, my mother is Marion Ross, and she played his mother on uh, Happy Days. Oh, no, no kidding. I had no idea. That's you didn't I had know that? No yeah, oh. yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so uh, she got this job, you know. And um, I remember going to the set the first time, but I was aware of Ron Howard as a as a professional actor for years before that, because of course I watched him on TV, but I wasn't aware of him like as an actor. I was aware of him as a I don't know a, a character. You know, you think oh there's Opie and 
Yeah. Some people haven't gotten out of that. <laughs> That's yeah. as far as they've gotten. But my mother, I remember very well, my mother, probably in an in a effort to inspire me, uh, would point out the you know, 12, 13, 14-year-old Ron Howard on television when he came up and said, That's Ron Howard. <laughs> He's an actor. you know. And, and I was like, Oh, I made a mental note. My mother admires this young actor. Hmm. And uh, anyway, so I was aware of him when she got the... the the job, uh, the series. I remember going down to Paramount to see her uh, film uh, with a friend of mine. We were both about 13. And maybe, yeah, I, I want to say 13, 14 years old. And uh, met Ron and all the guys, 20, uh, or rather, uh, uh, they were all in their 20s, or, or almost. I don't think Ron was 20 yet. I think he might have been 18. And um, so uh, that was really the beginning of the friendship. He was very kind and, uh, you know, forthcoming. He, you know, his parents are great. Uh, I knew both his parents, uh, Rance, who's still with us, and Gene, who passed a few years ago. And they're just really decent, nice Oklahoma people. So they, you know, were very important to teach both Ron and Clint good manners. And, and Ron exhibited really, always really great manners with me. It was just a really... And, and by that, I mean... He always made you feel like you were important, uh, even though I was just a little kid. And um, so that, that was how we began. And then so years later, I mean, we stayed in touch, and uh, I, I put him on my mailing list, and I always let him know what I was doing. And when I moved to New York and became an actor, I, you know, I let him know. And I, I remember running, in, running into him on the street when he was casting. He was working on the first iteration of the television show Parenthood. And... Uh, that's a long, long time ago. But anyway, so I got this audition. This is a long and boring story, but I got the audition and uh, uh, went in to read. And I didn't anticipate that Ron would actually be there. I knew it was his movie, but I didn't, uh, you know, usually you go and you read for a casting person or they put you on tape or whatever. But he was there. So that was nice. I thought, oh, that's, that's a plus. And I'd rehearsed the scene and I'd worked it a lot. It was a scene between a, a man and a woman at a bar and uh, they were exchanging some information. The the woman wanted some information from the man, and the man was kind of flirting pretty overtly, actually, with, with the woman. So, so I did the scene once, and he said, oh, that's good, that's good. Um, and <laughs> he said, uh, oh, let's do it again. And uh, now you realize that, uh, that she, is, she is eight months pregnant. And I was like, oh, well, that's, that's a big shift. That's a big shift. That's suddenly my guy, who has been just a kind of a... Uh, you know, the flirtatious guy is now some kind of, <laughs> I don't know, I could, I found it hard to get into the headspace of a guy who would flirt with a woman who was eight months pregnant <laughs> and, and married to someone else. So, so I tried to make that adjustment. He also gave me another adjustment. He said, have him feel the, the alcohol a little bit more, you know, have him be a little looser. And uh, now, now when I think about that, I go, oh, well, that would justify the other thing. But at the time, I, it was hard to make that adjustment. So uh, anyway, I tried it again, and he went, that was great. That was great. Thanks a lot. So then I, I went home, and I wrote up all the things I thought I'd, I'd failed at, you know. Just to, just to make a note of it, I, I said, well, you didn't really honor that thing about the alcohol at all. And uh, I didn't feel like I made the adjustment to the pregnancy bit that well because I didn't quite understand it, you know. Like, wow, who is this guy? Uh, having not that much experience with these things. So uh, I was very surprised when about a month later they said, well, Ron's hiring you for the part, and you're going to work on such and such a date. And uh, it was very exciting. So it was my last job in New York City before we moved away. We were moving 
that August, I think uh, July was when we shot, and uh, got to do my scene with Marissa Tomei, and yeah, that was... Uh, it was one of your big starting roles. How did you feel at that point? Like, did you feel like you were just going to keep rising up from there? Yeah, there was a lot going on at the time. I was also being courted to do a lot of TV work, which is why I was uh, moving to L.A. I had all kinds of uh, production companies and networks wanting to... Uh, be in the Jim Meskimen business at the time. So it was very exciting, very exciting time. I was about 30, um, maybe not quite 30. Um, anyway, yeah, it was it was very thrilling. So, uh, yeah, I, I anticipated, I don't know, you, you never know. You think, in a way, you, you know, there's a little bit of an illusion about the movies that that you're, you're going to go to heaven, you know. Uh, you're going to enter another universe and, and be with all these other stars and you're all going to exist in this other dimension. <laughs> it's, it's a funny thing. You, you, you don't really credit it, but you're just, it's something terribly exciting and exhilarating about it. Then once you get on the set, you see, oh, well, we're, no, we're still in this universe. There's still things and gravity and people and politics and stuff. But it's fun. It's art. And uh, I did have a very good time, except I was very crabby, very cranky about the whole thing because... I was nervous. I'd had a lot of camera time, on-camera time, doing commercials, and I'd had a lot of on-stage time, but I'd not been in a big feature film. And so, and then there was a long wait, you know, you get your makeup on, and say, okay, we'll come and get you from your trailer. And uh, it was just down the street from where I lived. Uh, so I'm waiting in my trailer, and I'm waiting in my trailer, and I met Marissa Tomei in the makeup trailer, and that was great. And, but I'm, you know, I'm a little bit on edge, and then as it goes on and on, I probably didn't eat enough. And... Uh, so I was getting really kind of snarky and snarly and just, you know, dying to get on and, and, and just a little bit, not as, not the happy chap I am today. So when we finally, uh, Ron sat us down in this, in the, on the set, it was, which was a bar, I forget where it was, uh, in downtown. And he said, well, I'm going to, the camera's going to start behind you and kind of banana around you and we're going to reveal you two talking. So if you have something you can improvise to get into this uh, scene. And I said, okay, yeah, I, I've got a couple of things I could try because I'd sort of worked. I knew he wanted to do that. So I, I came up with a couple of things that he was talking about. And then he whispered something to Marissa Tomei, which I'll never know what it was. But he whispered it to her. So I was not to hear it. Um, I don't know what he possibly could have said. <laughs> One day, I'll ask her if I run into her again. And uh, and then we started the scene. And again, I'm sort of feeling on edge. I'm sort of worried about screwing up. I'm very concerned about you know being a professional in front of all these other professionals and a, and a freaking Academy Award winner you know across the table from me. Uh, and as the camera comes around and is beginning to reveal me as I'm improvising my brilliant little improv thing. One of the extras at the bar drops this enormous vase of something or glass of something and it sprays and fizzes and shatters and, and ruins, ruins the take. And after that, I was very calm. I was like, oh, thank goodness. The ice was literally the ice was broken and I could just relax and settle into it. And somebody else had screwed it up, which, which is very nice That's when somebody does that. It's very charitable. Um, so you're on set and... Uh... You know, you're just kind of figuring out, well, how are it? But now over five, five collaborations, what would you say his number one rule on set is? His rule on set? Yes. Huh. Gee, I don't know. I mean, he doesn't really have that kind of environment where there are rules so much. Uh, but I guess, I, I guess there is one, which is that we're all on the same team and we're working towards a particular goal. 
If it's a particular scene, we're trying to bring off a particular moment. We're trying to create a particular effect. So other fish to fry, such as, oh, I got to step out and call my agent or, uh, you know, I, I don't like working with this person or whatever, it, it is, is not of the purpose that, that we're all engaged in. And so he's disinterested in it. And, and if it really is distracting, it's, you know, there's going to be a level of ethical uh, interruption that happens. You know? Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, it's the I, team I like Every time I, I uh, look up uh, one of his films on IMDb, I notice that like half his family tree acted in the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What, is that is he just really close to his family and he just likes getting them getting them work or sure or how sure does that work? well I there's there's mutual respect there's there's family there's right. uh because I know I mean Clint is, is an established actor and I'm not surprised yeah. seeing him but I'll see like a random uncle or something and there sometimes I'm just like who are these people oh really an uncle yeah you know he, I I think uh, obviously he doesn't give starring roles to people that don't deserve it or, or even right. good, good parts. But yeah, I mean, as a family guy, I mean, his wife, I've seen his wife pop up in things. And his dad is in things quite often. Rance, who is an actor and was, has been an actor for, you know, his whole life. And he used to put Gene, his mother, in. Gene had a wonderful part in Apollo 13 where she played uh, Jim Lovell's mother. And uh, I think she almost got an Academy Award nomination or that, some, kind of, some kind of good nomination. It was a really plum little part and, okay. and, and probably the last, one of the last big roles that she did. Um, yeah, and and he's put his daughters in. Bryce Dallas Howard has obviously become a very big star in her own right, and she she hunkered down and really studied acting and did a lot of plays and 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 you know came up uh, came up the hard way, which which was right. But she's uh, she's terrific, you know. Yeah, we're seeing her everywhere now. Yeah, she's yeah. awesome. She's, she's great. marvelous. Yeah. Um, what would you say is the funniest story you have with Ron Howard? Like, oh, if there, if there was one, so yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. There's a kind of a cute story. Uh, uh, when I was working on The Grinch, I worked on that show for four months. It was a big makeup show, you know. You had to get to the set quite early. I think I had to be there around five thirty or uh, most days. And then uh, there was three hour makeup, so in order to get the cameras rolling by nine or so, you had to get there at least by six. And um, I arrived at Universal, and uh, I'm walking to the makeup area, which was a big set. You know, they had like 50 makeup artists working there. They're all top-of-the-line guys. And I see um, the Grinch character walk around one of the trailers in full makeup. And I thought, I, I knew it wasn't Jim Carrey. Uh, I, I figured, well, that must be Pat Banta, his uh, stunt double, who's here early for something. Because he it just wasn't as tall as Jim. So that would be the only way you could tell, as the makeup and costume were completely identical. So I go, hey, Pat, good morning. And uh, he said, uh, no, it's not Pat, this is Ron. <laughs> and that was the day that Ron Howard, uh, it, this was in all the, all, all the press and stuff, that was the day that Ron Howard... Uh, literally got into the shoes of Jim Carrey because Jim had been having a really tough time with the makeup and with the costume, uh, particularly the eyes and the, you know, the teeth and the whole, it was uncomfortable. And so I guess he said, Ron said, all right, well, uh, you know, I think Jim said, well, you try it. <laughs> you know, not in so many words. And Ron said, all right, well, I will. You know, and he came in the next day 
did the three-hour makeup, and he directed all day long in Grinch makeup. I think he took I think he took the eyes and the teeth out because, you know, it was hard to underst- understand him. Right. <laughs> that's funny. That's yeah. a lot of dedication. That's cool. It's, it's you know it's good to see that from a director who actually. Well, exactly. It's like it's like the general who go, who says, "I'm with you, boys," and he's right next to you. You know, and as, as right. the uh, launch good craft. For morale. Yeah, good for morale. It was very good for morale, and and Ron keeps a very good morale on the on the set. That's for sure. And the best thing for the best thing for morale is production. So getting uh, a lot of shots, you know, I can imagine on a Stanley Kubrick set, the morale is not always so high, or it was not always so high. And a Ron Howard set, uh, for it, it is high because you're getting a lot of coverage. And in fact, I was talking to uh, I saw Jeffrey Blake, uh, who I was with uh, in Apollo 13. We worked on a TV commercial recently. He was also in Frost Nixon, uh, and we were talking about uh, some of the shoots and. Uh, uh, talking about the Grinch and and the Grinch, we shot so much other stuff that didn't make it into the movie. I, I, I just there was just tremendous amounts of of stuff going on and uh, and coverage done and and different scenarios and little bits and I don't know where all that stuff is, but there's like a whole another movie there. I think well, I guess it wasn't necessary, but so anyway, that that just to illustrate that that Ron Howard gets a lot done. To your career a bit more. Um, Me too. Because I don't get to talk to you every day, and uh, I uh, I am an aspiring actor as well. So oh. I, I just have a few questions, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, so, do you enjoy the quick turnarounds of different projects, just based on your career? Because uh, that, that's what you tended to do: just have different sporadic voice acting, improvising acting roles, and such. Or would you rather have the long-term projects where you're committed to a project for a few months and then sign on to a different project for a few months and so on? Well, I guess everybody would like to be kind of locked in. You know, I'd love to have a series. I'd love to be busy. I, w- I had a series a couple of years ago called Impress Me, written and directed by Ben Shelton, uh, starring Ross Marquand and myself. And that was great. Every day we did it uh, for quite a while. And um, I, I, it felt good to, you know, see your name at the top of the call sheet and, and know you had somewhere to be every day. Uh, the only thing missing from that was, you know, it was not particularly lucrative <laughs> it was it was a web series that became a tv series and uh you know we were uh, we were completely uncontaminated by money but um but there is yeah. something there is something fun about the life that i've uh, for better or for worse that i've seemed to have constructed for myself which is i'll talk to you guys today and then i'll have a an audio book that i'll do and then tomorrow i'll do an animated thing for my friends at jib jab and then i've got a script reading on friday and then I do my YouTube videos, and you know it kind of bounces all over the place. Um, I'm sort of like a moving target. Uh, on Sunday, my daughter and I did a short film together, and uh, you know I maybe next week I might do something for KFC, uh, you know, which is a, a commercial, you know, purely commercial kind of enterprise. So, uh, and I think these days, you know, we have to be very versatile. We have to be very quick. And, and change gears, uh, shift gears very quickly. And, I, you know, for better or for worse, I'm pretty used to that. So if, if something does say, okay, for the next three months you're going to be in New Zealand and you're going to play this one character, and I, I think I'd have a, I, there'd be a little bit of, uh, of shell shock for a while. I'd probably get used to it just fine. But, but at the, you know, it, it's a big shift in my operating basis. Um, yeah, I'd imagine it never gets boring for you because you're constantly just 
doing something else. You're never yeah, stuck on it. Constantly in and out of work, constantly yeah. uh, employed and unemployed and trying to figure <laughs> out a better thing. And uh, But it's fun. I think people, I, I, I know that people on the outside looking in at my career think that what I'm doing is incredibly fun. And so... If, if I can create that illusion, I'm very happy. <laughs> but um, I, I'm how, used to it. How does it work in so sporadically? Is it, is it through your agent or does a lot of stuff you're just searching for on your own? I'm, I'm, I'm very proactive. And, you know, I'm, I'm uh, in my 50s. I, I, I realize that people are not dying to work with me, uh, <laughs> even though I'm very talented and blah, blah, blah. And I have a lot of experience. But, you know, uh, if I was doing a movie and I was looking for a lead, I'd be looking for someone quite a bit younger than myself who maybe wasn't um, well-known in other areas and was kind of a discovery. I understand that, you know. Uh, On the other hand, there are some great performers working today that are my age. And uh, so what I'm trying to do is, is take responsibility and say, well, you know, if an agent can provide me an audition, that's great. If a friend or if somebody I know or if some random director contacts me, that's great. In the meantime, I'm going to keep reaching out, as I've always done, and uh, and try to create stuff on my own and inspire people to collaborate with me. I mean, that's what I did with my um, Shakespeare and Celebrity Voices video, which went viral in 2011, I guess it was. Um, I did that to promote my one-man show. Nobody asked me to do a one-man show. I just knew I had to do it and need to perform, do impressions. Uh, and then to promote the show, I made the video. The video went viral, and then all of a sudden I had a, a kind of heat, you know, as an impressionist. And that's how my friend Ben Shelton got in touch with me and said, hey, I want, I want you to be on my web series. And then we talked about doing a web series about impressionists, and it became a TV show. So, you know, one thing leads to another, but you have to... I think my advice uh, to you and to all actors is to figure out a way that you can actually do what it is that you say you want to do. You know, if you were a, a carpenter and you had a bunch of wood lying around your house and you're waiting for someone to say, can you make that into a cabinet? Just just go and make the cabinet is probably a better way to do it. And um, right. you're, you're laying around your house with all the skills of a great actor. You've got your, your aesthetic sense, your sensibility. You've got your voice. You've got your good looks. You've got your thick head of hair uh, <laughs> do something with it you know uh, was there a moment in your career where you had to make a fork in the road decision where where one decision might have led you a different path and the other one might have led this like another different path completely different no it never happened yeah no it happens all the time <laughs> I, I i think that fork the, my my road i look when i look back on my road it's just covered with it looks like it's paved with forks <laughs> <laughs> And I, you're always having to make a choice, which is, again, another good reason to uh, kind of take the bull by the horns and, and run things yourself um, and not always have somebody, I don't know, I've never had too many people tell me what, what to do. But In the end, you're making the final decision. You make the final decision and you do it based on, well, all right, you know, what's, uh, and I, I can't say that I've, uh, you know, obviously I'm, I'm a relatively unknown fellow, but as an actor, I'm professional and I've worked a lot, but I'm not. I'm not Brian Cranston, for example. So obviously, I've made some choices that uh, have led me to a little, little more lonely place. Um, although, you know, I, I got a lot, a lot of friends and a lot of great possibilities. So, you, ideally, you consider, well, what's the best thing for me and my family, and what's the best thing for a, my career, and and what would be good for people and audiences to see, that kind of thing. Um, I think. You know, as you get older, you, you figure out more 
you fine-tune that criteria and uh, you're able to make better choices, even if the opportunities are, are, are fewer, but you can probably, uh, you know, make some better choices. And I, I think I'm doing that now. Right, yeah. Is there, is there a moment, like one of those forks, where you wish you would have gone the other direction with something? Oh, yeah. I, I had a, a big opportunity uh, back in um, um, the, when I first moved out here to, to do TV, I think I alluded to earlier, and I had an off- offer from a network to develop a show uh, of my own, and I, I chose to, to try and involve um, the people, a lot of the people I've been working with in New York uh, in doing another kind of show that would involve more improvisation. And there was a producer that was mildly interested in that approach and also wanted to work with me. So I chose a, a, a more, uh, more of a long shot uh, because it would involve more of my friends, basically. And in, in the end, it didn't, it died the death. It didn't go anywhere and it was very painful and, uh, and nasty at times. Um, whereas I could have just walked into probably a little easier uh, scenario with the network, done a series, and today I could be, you know, uh, performing at a dinner theater in uh, West Virginia. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's, who knows? Who knows? Right. Jim, your, uh, our last question, um, just to sum everything up that you've just said. Yes, uh, let's, let's end on a happier note. I'm feeling very discouraged about the whole thing. I'm about to quit the business. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it's getting depressing. But <laughs> <laughs> um, your, your, your golden advice for aspiring actors, something that you've received from or wish to give to Let's see. I think we talked about this before. What did I? What golden advice did I have? I guess it was the yeah, same. You get, produce your own content. Yeah, get produce your own content. Exactly. Uh, you have YouTube available, uh, which is just amazing. Uh, we we never had this thing back in the you know pre uh, internet days. Uh, yeah, make a film. Like my daughter and I, we made a film on Sunday. Uh, it was something I wrote, uh, something from a, a book I'd read. I thought it would be a great scene. I knew I could, I could. It would be a, a good part for me. And uh, we went out. It was kind of drizzly like it is today in L.A. And we shot this thing over about an hour. And then it was really just an experiment. And we cut it home, take, took it home. I cut it together. And it's a nice little short. And I've been sending it to my director friends. And they're all like, hey, this is pretty good. <laughs> so, awesome. so, you know, there's, no, um, there's nothing stopping you. And, and there's, except that there's, everybody's doing it. But the, there's nothing really stopping you from, from being what it is you want to be, doing what you want to do. And it's, it's silly to not get busy uh, for several reasons. You never know. You might you know, find a great collaborator to work with. Somebody might hire you. Um, it, at the least, you're going to learn something about your craft that you didn't know before just by doing it. And, uh, you know, uh, Malcolm Gladwell famously has this line about uh, professionals uh, having to work 10,000 hours before they can... Um, I don't know, really be considered competent like the Beatles or whatever. And 10,000 hours is a lot of hours. You know, if you only put in one hour a month, uh, well, you know, you may not make it this lifetime. So I think there's a lot to be gained by just uh, performing. If you're a performer, get into an improv company, get into a theater company, uh, do your own work, you know, get busy being an actor. Either get busy living or get busy dying, I guess. And uh, <laughs> Right? Somebody had that advice. Uh, is there a question you're currently trying to perfect right now or, 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 or doing great at? 
A voice I'm working at right now? Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, gosh, every day's different. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I forget I forget what I said the last time. There was uh, some voice I was working uh, Vince Gilligan. Oh, yeah, that's right. I was working on Vince Gilligan. Yeah, I need to. He sound, The way I do him, he still sounds like a little bit too much of a creaky old prospector. But uh, uh, he's got actually a smoother voice. Uh, he has some sort of a quality that's very charming i look forward to meeting him someday and really perfecting it uh i desperately want to be on better call saul i think it's the greatest show on television right now in a in a time when there are a lot of great shows uh, yeah. better call saul like, is my is my go-to show i just think it's yeah, great breaking bad was great yeah it's superb and and uh, vince gilligan is just amazing so uh people that i admire people i like i like to try to do their voices <laughs> Well, Jim, um, couldn't say it enough. Thank you so much for coming out to our show. We really appreciate your time uh, getting to us today. My pleasure. I'm going to get busy, and I'm going to get a great big job today just to show you people, just to show you it can be done. (laughs) Okay. Thanks, man. See you later. Awesome. Thank you so much. Bye.